to really realize how in an instant everything can change and how I just want to soak up all of the time I can get with my family and be, I think presence is kind of having a buzzword right now, but I think it's so important. Like you can be with someone, but can you be present with them? I think, well, just to start out, I wanted to acknowledge that on a practical level with going back to those logistics and everything and, you know, in your mom's case or in other cases, you know, my mom didn't have a will. So people also don't realize that sometimes lawsuits for years, uh, at least in our case, these things, it just haunts you in these logistics and this having to two-dimensionalize your process and the events and like literally having to look at it and talk about it in a way that makes it two-dimensional and kind of more scientific and disassociative. But that honesty I love and in terms of kind of responding and I still feel as though literally every day, you know, when I can answer, Mm -hmm. I'm good, I'm great sometimes, you know, I really, really appreciate it. And I had some chronic Mm -hmm. health problems that ensued due to certain predispositions. But I now realize especially, and because there's research about this, when you don't cope with Mm -hmm. trauma, it can basically express certain, like your body takes on that stress and that trauma and expresses certain predispositions. And so had you know, an emergency surgery that spiraled out into another chronic illness and like two basically chronic diseases. And so being able to say, you know, I'm good, let alone great after having mental health out of your control and then physical health out of my control for two and a half years straight now feels so amazing, but is still constantly put into perspective. And it's kind of that perspective, I think, that becomes such an important part of our lives. And So I I love that you live with that honest perspective. And you mentioned that being an important part of your healing process. And then with travel being a huge part. And again, you know, that's the perspective that you have on the world or that other people have of you and that need for anonymity in in certain instances and, and getting away from your story and that constant reminder. But then also that struggle with, if somebody doesn't know my story, can they ever really know me yes. at the same time? I have found this very come up often with dating. <laughs> yeah. Like they can't, nobody can, because it just shapes you so deeply. And then I think after that honesty and travel and perspective, art, I think, becomes such a huge kind of that, that creativity. And so it's so interesting to me because again, there are so many parallels and so many differences, which I find so interesting about our stories. And so I found myself unable to write a letter to my mom. I still have not. But what I found is that I was so grateful for the people who were there for me. And yes, there were people who were not. And stuff like this does challenge you and relationships and other people and some people show up and some people don't and you know sometimes it's hard to let people in but I wrote letters to kind of everybody else my my closest friends and family members I wrote love letters and you know telling people how amazing I thought they were Mm -hmm. while I still had the chance to because I realized that you never know when you won't have the chance to. And it just is so tragic to think about how we don't tell people so many things while we have the chance. And I think some of the most upsetting things and, you know, the biggest regrets in life aren't the things we say, but the things that are left unsaid. And so really just trying to encourage people to say those things while they have the chance and doing this kind of love letters for all project. And so I think that that parallel is is so interesting and again, admirable. And I know that one day I will write that letter. I don't know how or when or where, but I hear art 
and creativity is kind of another one of these important aspects of the healing process. And so I would love to hear more and tell our listeners more about kind of the projects you've done and particularly conversations I wish I had. Yeah. So conversations I wish I had is a pop-up phone booth that I set up and invite people to talk to people in their life who are no longer around. And so that can be someone who has died. You know, for me, I talk, when I set up the phone booth, I'm always the first one to step in and I talk to my mom, but that's not always the case for everyone. Sometimes people will talk to estranged family members. Sometimes they'll talk to past lovers. It started out as a project that was just for people to talk to people who have died. And it has since morphed into something else for a place for people to talk to people who are no longer around. And that progression came naturally just from people wanting to interact with the phone booth and then saying, well, I really want to step in, but I don't want to talk to someone who died. I want to talk to my ex-boyfriend and he's very much alive, but you know, he's gone from my life. And it's like, oh yeah, you can talk to whoever. Like I'm not the gatekeeper of this project. Like as someone who makes art, I make art and I put it into the world, but I'm not here to decide who can interact with it and who who can't. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's the conversations I wish I had project. It is a phone booth that I have taken up and down the West Coast. It has shown up in galleries and museums and even a backyard or two. It's a pretty portable space. And yeah, it's a special project that came out of what kind of started it was just my process of constantly writing to my mom and wanting to be in contact with her. And then, you know, I have a 1970 VW van and I had been driving it around the country and I was meeting people and having conversations. This is before the phone booth even existed, but I was just chatting with people. And it seemed like that summer, everyone was processing a loss in some way, whether it was a loss of a friendship or a loss of a relationship or a loss of a person. And this was really at the top of my mind because it just seemed like everyone was processing this. And they all had things that they wish they could have said. It seemed like every conversation I got in that summer was around things left unsaid to people that you can't really say it to anymore. And so I was driving through Arkansas and I don't know if you've ever driven through Arkansas, but it's I have not. I can imagine. (laughs) It's it was very dark and it was a very long road. And there were not a lot of people around. Like it was pretty late at night, but the roads were empty. I could have been anywhere. I know I was in Arkansas, but I could have been anywhere. Like it was just, it was just like headlights into blackness. And so um, I really like driving in those situations because it really frees your mind to think. And so I was thinking about all of these conversations And was just thinking like, there's got to be something to not fix it. I I don't think I'm a fixer, but there's got to be a space or some sort of project or offering to really address this thing that is so present for me right now and present with everyone I'm meeting. And that's kind of where conversations I wish I had came from. It was this spark of an idea. I sat on it for many months and then kind of came to the conclusion, like, if you're going to do it, just do it. And if you're not going to do it, move on to the next idea. And so I thought, okay, let's try. And so I reached out to a carpenter. I told him my idea. He didn't think I was nuts. He was like, cool, let's do it. And yeah, we went from there. And 
it kind of became this probably my I would say it's my most well-known project at this point. And I think, well, one, I think it's an amazing project that I love, you know, and appreciate the, the inspiration behind it and also the, the an, an impact it's had. I feel as though sometimes certain things get to the point where you can't not do them in a way. Yeah. And I'm wondering what, if you feel comfortable sharing kind of some of the most in, inspiring or interesting, you know, experiences you've had with this phone booth or witnessed with other people and, and what they've had with this phone booth. Yeah. So sometimes I'm not always present when the phone booth is up. It depends on the location and how long the whoever's hosting me wants it to be standing. Because to do like a six hour day of facilitating conversations I wish I had is a lot. I have done it and it's hard. But what I will say is I have been there for many of them. And I think I'm constantly touched by the conversations in different languages. You know, I don't know what they're communicating, but I think it's really cool that there's a space where people feel comfortable to speak in the language they feel comfortable speaking in. And there was one girl in particular that I'm thinking of who I think she was probably 20 and she was grieving the loss of her grandparents who lived in another country. And because of that, she didn't get to see them often or talk to them often or anything like that. And so she stepped in the phone booth and she spoke to them in Spanish and just held a conversation with them. And she later said, you know, she told them what was going on with her and her life. And she was saying, I'm sorry, I didn't get to see you before you died. And I thought that was really sweet that she felt comfortable to speak in a language that felt comfortable to her or like speak to her grandparents in Spanish. The conversations that happen in other languages always are really touching to me. There was another one that stands out. Some of them are funny and like some of them are really sad and some of them are shocking so I would say a shocking one was this woman steps in the phone booth and her conversation starts out, you know, like I've been thinking about you a lot and when you came to live with us and you were so young and I was so young and I wish I would have treated you better. So in my head, as she's talking, I'm thinking like, like maybe a foster child or an adopted kid, but then, you know, she's grieving their loss. So I'm putting a story together where I'm like, oh, but something bad happened. And then she says, like, you were such a great childhood cat. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this is an animal. And like, I think it's cool that she stepped in and talked to her childhood animal. But that was a shocking one where I was like, oh no, like, this is really sad. Like something happened, you know, when she's saying when you came to live with us and I'm like, Oh, this is a pet. And then I'd say another one that was, it was funny and it was sad was someone stepped in the phone booth and was talking to their best friend who had died. And they were telling the story of how at, this friend's funeral, their partner showed up and their, the friend's Catholic family didn't know that he was gay. And it was a sad conversation, but the way this person told it was, I found myself laughing where she's like, and I mm -hmm. thought your brother was going to punch him. Like they were just a 
funny person and they were like <laughs> making me laugh. I was laughing and crying at the same time. I was laughing because it was straight out of it. Like what I imagine a sitcom, you know, like you're at this funeral and you realize that your son, your Catholic son is gay because their partner is now standing up at the on the little stage thing, basically sharing about their life together or something like that. Or I don't think it was like a long-term partner. It was someone who they had kind of just met, but they were the person on the phone doing the conversations. I wish I had project. They were like, you know, it started getting erotic and everyone is kind of looking around being like, do we tackle him? (laughs) Like, um, so that one comes to mind. And then, There's another one that comes to mind where there was a girl who stepped in the phone booth and she talked to her former partner and her partner was 19 when she was 12 and they were in a relationship and she was, this one made me cry. You know, she was kind of embodying this 12 year old memory and she's, processing like the age difference and how there was just so much she didn't know and how she was confused because she was like, I know I loved you, but you took advantage of me. Like I was a child. And that one was really hard to listen to because you're right alongside her processing and being like, wait, yeah, I'm angry for you. Like you should never have been in that situation. But then when she's talking about their love, you're like, wait, did you, it's confusing, you know, it's, it's confusing and it's confronting. And the conversation made me sad. And I was grateful that she had a place to kind of say those things that she needed to say to this person who had kind of had a, big part of her life and not always in a positive way. I think that's extremely important. And and just to clarify for our listeners, you know, I know you're not in the booth with them, right? but yep. to clarify in terms of how you're listening, if it's while they're talking from outside or via recording later on. Yeah. So the phone booth is set up with um, recording capabilities and people can opt in to having their conversation recorded and with the knowledge that it may be shared. So people opt in or they opt out and the ones where they opt out, you know, there's no pressure to be recorded. And so every, every conversation is recorded And then I just go through and delete the ones that from the people who have opted out. So the stories that I'm telling now are from people who have opted into their conversation being shared. So I'm not listening in the moment. I'm listening days or a week later. And I think that that going back to that story where the girl chose, you know, was speaking in Spanish to her grandparents, I couldn't help but think how on a literal basis, you know, we all have different languages, but even when we're referring to, you know, speaking the same literal language, I always, you know, remind people how we all have different languages for love, but we all also have such different languages for loss and you know how we talk about that think about it or or process it I think is something so important to recognize and when you think of it kind of in that metaphorical way but also then in the the sense of you know people are so familiar with love languages now and recognizing how differently we all you know go through that and so if we can also kind of apply that to the latter part Um, and learn. There's so much I think that love teaches us about loss, but perhaps even more that loss teaches us about love. Yeah, I relate to that 100%. I think 
in my experience with loss, I've love has been really illuminated for me. Yeah, especially like with my family, I've always been close to my family, but to kind of to realize, to really realize how in an instant everything can change and how um, I just want to soak up all of the time I can get with my family and be, I think presence is, is kind of having a buzzword right now, but I, I think it's so important. Like you can be with someone, but can you be present with them? Um, can you be together and not on your phone or on your computer or whatever? Can you really like carve out space to be with someone? And I think that came from, from loss and realizing how short time is and being like, if I love this person, how can I be with them fully? And, and like the fragility of everything, including mm-hmm. life itself. Yeah. And I think it also helps with conflict, not to say sweep it under the rug, but to say like, is this how we want to move forward? Is this really worth holding on to even little things like my, I was with my twin sister and we were driving and we got in a little spat and we were both mad. And then we both had like three minutes of calming down. And I turned to her and I said, Hey, can you forgive me? I'd like to start over. I don't want to carry this into the rest of the day. And she was like, me too. I'm sorry for blah, 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 blah. Like, let's just, let's just move on. And even little things like that, just saying, I don't want to carry this in the, into the rest of the day. We had a miscommunication. We're already grumpy. This isn't worth our time and energy to even be focusing on right now. Yeah. I often tell people that a huge part of why I'm working on BBXX is kind of that realization that our close relationships are everything. It's, you know, the source of our happiness, our biggest sadness. It's the source of our sense of fulfillment. And it's really kind of where all the value in life is is derived from. And that's everything. Everything else in life outside of that is just noise or, you know, is just embellishment. And so trying to, yeah, just recognize and reset that value system accordingly. And hopefully through this kind of work, help other people to do so as, as well. And so I think as we kind of be- begin to wrap up, I have a few shorter questions I'd love to ask you. <laughs> shorter uh, in context. <laughs> we'll see. Um, before kind of then a little fun, we'll end on a, a higher fun note of these rapid fire questions I have, but, okay. you know, on your website on death dialogue, you frame these two questions and I would love to just know what your answers would be to them. And they are, what does it mean to live and what does it mean to die? Mm-hmm. For what does it mean to live? I think for me, it goes back to the conversation of presence to um to be present in to try and be present in everything and I do and also approach things as if they're brand new I have a brand new baby niece that I'm obsessed with and Mm -hmm. I'm totally inspired by because they are seeing the world for the first time and they're amazed by it. And to me that if I can be at the end of my life and say, I was amazed and I was not withholding of love or time or support, then I will have said, I can say like, I, I lived. So for me, that's what it means to live. And then to die, I'm still I'm still curious about this question. I will always be curious about this question. And I don't think I will ever have a good answer because I think for a long time to die was like 
you know, some days I'm like, we die, we go into the earth and that's that. And then other days I'm like, no, like everything, if everything is energy, our spirits don't end when our physical body does. And so I don't have a good answer for that. I don't know what it means to die, but I think there is a conversation around like, what does it mean to die well? And I think that's a really interesting conversation right now that's happening in society around like, okay, let's get, what are your wishes for when you die? It's something that is not talked about. Do you want to be buried or cremated? Do you have a will? How do you want this to happen? I didn't, we didn't know for my mom, she didn't have wishes. And so I think to really go into the mindset, like I will die. And what do I want that to look like? And, you know, if, if you're sick, how long do you want, you know, if you have a D a do not resuscitate order, things like that, like that's, I don't, I don't have a good answer for you. And I think that's why I asked the question because I'm curious and, and I'm open to many different answers. And I think that be it logistically or emotionally, you know, to yeah. die well is dependent on if you're living well, mm-hmm. you know, what does it mean to live or what does it mean to live well? Mm-hmm. And I think that, that kind of just goes back again to, to those relationships. There's one other note that I was going to say, but it's interesting. You know, there are these theories about death, theories about, you know, there are three deaths or, or you know, mm-hmm. beginning all the way from when you realize that one day you will die or when the body ceases to function versus, you know, when you're buried or cremated all the way up until, you know, the last time that somebody says your name being that, that final death. I recently heard uh, the amazing thing, you know, and again, just a theory, and it depends on your your perspective about the afterlife, which I definitely do not have clear in any way, but as kind of from a philosophical perspective, just to think about, I, I found very interesting. And somebody said that, you know, there are people who have theories that when you die, And when you're on the other side, if and when people can communicate that there's no longer this filter where people on the other side can see, you know, everything they've done clearly and how they affected people. And, you know, they don't put up their barriers and that you can actually communicate with them on a much deeper and pure level than you could, you know, together in the living life, because all of those barriers and and automatic filters are are gone for them which i just thought yeah. to be a, a in theory a beautiful idea yeah you know it's interesting cuz i think people have really strong ideas of what death is and what death isn't and what you know yeah. can you communicate with people who have yeah. died i have no and idea I'm, I just, yeah. I, I, it's, it, it, and but many of them are, you know, seem idealistic to me and are difficult for me to conceptualize, but not that yeah. I don't you know, think people should be able to think that or appreciate that some people can think that. Right. Yeah. I think the, it's not even a position, but my thoughts on it are that I'm kind of just open to everything. Someone was telling me recently that they had someone, their best friend had died and they loved the color yellow. And recently they were kind of like talking to their friend just out loud and a yellow balloon like passed in front of them. And they took that as a sign that their friend was listening and their friend was here. And when I hear that, I'm like, who am I to tell you, no, it was just a yellow balloon, like passing in front of you. Like, sometimes I want to do that. Like, come on, you know, but like, if that's something that that person truly believes was their friend saying like, Hey, I'm good. I'm okay. Then who am I to be like, no, I don't think it was because here's all these logical reasons. And it's like, I don't know what's beyond this realm. Like, 
maybe that blue yellow balloon was orchestrated by your friend. And if that is going to totally brighten your day and be a pin mark in like the fabric of your life where you can say that person is with me. Great. I want that for you. And I think that, you know, outside of science and logic to live in a world in which, especially with the phone booth, we can think of these as conversations where somebody could potentially hear them or or be able to engage in a pure, less judgmental conversations. That is a nice, you know, albeit perhaps idealistic uh, yeah. version of reality that one person versus the other, again, because we love differently and we lose so differently. So who are we to make judgments or you know, put a timeline, let alone rules on other people's process. Yeah. Or say what's right and wrong and have some moral standing around how people are interacting with people like their loved one who's died. Yeah. And so while I was looking through, through your posts and I just took notes on things that perhaps stood out to, to me on a personal level, or just also things that I thought might be, you know, relatable for other people, whether or not they have experienced loss. And there was this one line about the difference between being lonely and being <laughs> alone. I've struggled with kind of an existential sense of, of loneliness that sometimes haunts me and and trying to really dig deep into that and figure out where it comes from and how much is, you know, from going through this process or other things from my past and in life and really trying to, you know, recognize, okay, but can you, what is that difference? Can you be alone and practicing that intentionally and, and improving or recognizing, yes, I can, but also recognizing what are the things that bring up those those other emotions or, or that loneliness and what is the difference between the two? So I'd love to hear your perspective. Yeah, I think I'm still trying to figure it out, but I think losing someone is an incredibly isolating experience. It's something where, you know, you and I can be in the same room and we can have both lost our moms and like your experience is so different from mine and mine is so different from yours, even if there are threads of similarities and we can be in the room together and we're alone in, in our grief. It's a, yeah. it's, you know, or even with my sisters, like we lost the same person and we, I think I can speak for all of us when we say like we all felt so alone in our grief because we're so alone in our minds. Like no one can be in our mind with us. You can try and communicate what's in your mind, but you can't, no one can come in there with you. And so I think for a long time, I was, I would say lonely. I was alone in my grief and then I was lonely in it because I felt like no one could understand what I was going through. And when I was able to turn my understanding around death from this is just this thing that is happening to me and only to me, um, to this thing where I'm like, oh no, everyone experiences this, it became a point of connection and then I think that's where I became less lonely because I realized that there were people out there that knew what it was like to miss someone and knew what it was like to really grieve for not just for the person I lost, but for the life that I lost for the family that I lost. I mean, we didn't even get into how family dynamics can change, but I went from having, you know, in, in, in the, a more dramatic version of myself, I called myself an orphan because when my mom died, my dad checked out. And so like really feeling alone in that. But 
I think that now I'm looking when I feel lonely and I can identify like, oh, I'm not just alone. I'm not just on my own right now, but I'm lonely and that I am craving connection. That's kind of the turning point for me. If I notice I'm craving connection, um, I realize I'm lonely. And then that's when I'm able to kind of pull out my tool chest and be like, okay, <laughs> here's the tool mm-hmm. chest for craving connection. Mm-hmm. What do you do? And it's usually to get off Facebook. Oh, wait, I don't even have Facebook. I have Facebook. I'm never on it. Um, get off Instagram or like get off the internet and go make an in-person connection. Even if it's just a quick exchange at a coffee shop, even if it's just getting out of my house and realizing there are other people in this world than you know, me alone in my house. I think that is. And so I don't know if that answers the question. I think it's, it's something I'm still asking. <laughs> right. There is no, you know, it's, I was just yeah. about your, your thoughts in the process, but, and we didn't even get into social media, but I had meant to ask you because I just, Part of the reason why, I don't know if I was a fan ever from the beginning in any way, but through this experience, after having a mix of experiences where people project and whether, I think in many cases, it's from a loving way where, you know, they want to think you're okay. They want to think you're getting better. But I once found myself, I had posted some very brief something, a picture of the view and having somebody write me a very close friend and say, I'm so glad to see you're doing well. Mm -hmm. And having that be in response to a photo of a view that I took of a sunrise because I hadn't slept the whole night because I couldn't, (sighs) because I just was so trapped in kind of the darkness in my own head and still (laughs) take sleeping pills. And I actually have made it four days now officially without taking a sleeping pill. But, you know, from that moment on, I found myself, I've never been on, you know, I think that was, I didn't even know what Snapchat was at that point. And that was the last time I ever even went on it. But finding myself, I withdrew from a lot of social media and just finding myself really bothered by the fact that people project a version of your life onto these photos or whatever surface level of what they can see and, you know, interpret it as representing you know, how you are, if you're happy, all of this. And I, I really struggled with it. And at the same time, though, when I see, you know, your profile, for example, and you are actually sharing real things and a process and how many people are engaged and that it can be beneficial. And I think it's amazing that on your end, you know where your barriers are. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that whole space of, you know, what role technology plays in loss now with, you know, these profiles and everything. But then again, in the grief process or just in our lives in general is is so complicated. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like a, a whole new podcast could be done on social media. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what I'll say is I, I downloaded Instagram two weeks, something like that before my mom died. It was like a very new thing. I didn't really know what it was. And I think what it started out as for me when I have like, you know, 20 followers and they're all family and friends is it started out as a place for me to update how I was doing without having to have 20 conversations updating people with how I was doing. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. It was this place because I, I was on my phone all the time, but I couldn't respond to text messages. Like it was so burdensome. It felt so burdensome. If someone was like, Hey, how are you doing today? I'm like, how am I doing today? Like, it's always, what do you think? (laughs) Like literally what is the, what answer can I give you? That won't be awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I, 
like how I'm doing today. Okay, well, uh, not so great because I drank a lot last night and now I'm sitting in a chair. It's now 2 p.m. and I haven't stood up and I'm just staring out the window and all I can do is cry. Like, you don't want to type that out. It doesn't feel good. And so Instagram started out just as a way for me to share my life without having to have a ton of one-on-one conversations. I love hearing that other perspective of, you know, how it can be used in these other ways that, mm-hmm. you know, in my experience, I I haven't done nor had thought of. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just really how it started out. And I think that's kind of, it's a little different now, but I would say yeah. that now I use it to tell stories of my life and what I'm thinking, but now I don't use it in the way where I'm processing something right in the moment and sharing it on Instagram. I think that can be, that was something I did when I was sad and 22 and didn't understand kind of like this victimhood mindset, but I can look at it now and be like, okay, that wasn't It was great to update friends and families, um, like my friends and family, but it wasn't great to kind of process on Instagram because (laughs) I found that if I didn't get the response that I wanted or if I wasn't, if I didn't feel like I was being understood in what I was sharing, it was really upsetting. Mm-hmm. And so now I still share a lot. Um, and I think the difference is, is that everything I'm sharing, I've processed. I have how I'm thinking and how I'm feeling about the situation. Pr- I'm pretty clear on it. Mm-hmm. Some days, not so much, but sure. Most of the time it's a pretty clear, I'm clear. Mm-hmm. So if I'm getting a response that isn't what I want it to be, it doesn't affect me in the same way. Because I'm not saying like, ah, I'm not understood. Like, I'm just saying I'm sharing stories that I'm really clear on. And if someone's going to say, interpret it differently, that's okay. Um, Yeah. I had many experiences like what you're sharing about where you post a photo and then someone projects onto you and it's a terrible feeling like, and I remember kind of sharing openly and some seeing someone in person and being them being like, you know, I follow you online. It seems like some days you're doing well, but most days you're not. (laughs) And it was surprising to me because actually in that moment, I was doing well. In perspective, it's like, well, he clearly didn't realize how low the bar goes. (laughs) Right. Right. Like my good days. (laughs) Yeah. And like, if I'm out of, if you are seeing me out of the house and we're having a conversation, things are going well because (laughs) When they're not going well, you won't see me. Like, I won't leave my bed. But I think it brought up a really interesting thing for me with grief. And it happens for not just in grief, but for the human experience in general, is that we often like to put people in boxes. We like to say, you are happy or you are sad. You are angry or you're depressed. And then, but we don't allow those boxes to bleed. And we don't really want to recognize that you can be, you can be two of those things. You can be three of those things. You know, I could, I can have a pretty sad day and find a moment to smile and laugh. And that doesn't mean I'm happy or sad. It means I'm happy and sad. (laughs) It's kind of this idea that you have two hands and you can hold both or you can hold three, you know? And so even on my happy days, there would be moments. And even today, you know, this holds true, not just in grief, but in just in life. Like I can have a happy day and still find myself crying on a podcast interview about my mom. Like I can, I can hold both. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah. And I think that the, that kind of realization has helped 
navigate some of this social media where like I recognize in myself that I can have a variety of emotions. I know that people will interpret or project everything I say um, for themselves, but because I'm already clear on where I stand on the story I'm sharing or the experience I am sharing about, I'm able to share openly and authentically without kind of being triggered by people's responses. But it really bothered me in the beginning. I like, you know, where I'd be like, you don't understand me. (laughs) And I think it's not only important for people to recognize that, you know, you can hold two different or many different spaces or go back and forth in an instant, but you know, that everyday life or in general can be like that outside of, you know, grief. And also that, you know, one lends itself to the other and those sad moments give you perspective for the happy moments. And even if only for a brief moment in which you can feel happy, you can appreciate it so much more and feel it so much more when you've been through deeper sadness. And so the kind of relationship, not only between love and loss, but between, you know, sadness and and joy and how they, you know, lend themselves to one another. Totally. Like um, the, what is it? Like a metaphor, like you you only know peaks because you've known valleys. I know it's a little cliche, but if you break it down and like take the cliche feeling out of it, it's true. Like I could, I can only know joy because I've seen what the exact and extreme opposite of that is. And I've seen how low it can go. And so and, and that makes the peaks a little bit higher because I'm like, wow, this is right. great. Like, I will take yeah. this every single day over over the other stuff. And I think, yeah, even in the immediate aftermath of my mom dying, we you see like the it it's like the ag- <laughs> it's the agony and the ecstasy like it's so much pain. But then when something is funny, it's manically funny. It's kind of this loose emotional time where I, you really see the highs and the lows and there's kind of this depressive energy, but there's also this like really energetic manic energy pulsing through you. And it's, it's a weird, it's a weird experience to say the least. Yeah. And I, I mean, on the short term, I, I didn't have that experience exactly, but that perspective of being able to look down and see how far down it is. And so then to be able to realize, you know, how high you are. And then I think looking at other people when you don't have context or comparison, you know, people don't realize they're at a peak. Right. And, and, you know, then don't sit with it and appreciate it and think, well, I got to I need to enjoy this while I'm here. You know, this is a peak. I'm at a high. And, and I can recognize that with that perspective and know I need to enjoy it instead of just thinking, oh, this is just another day or, you know, not appreciating it. Yeah. Or even with relating to people like the person did to me and was like, oh, you're not doing well. And I'm like, you're taking your standard, your ruler for peaks and valleys and you're putting it on me, but I don't fit in, in your ruler. Yeah. You know, like for me, this is a peak to you. It looks like a pretty depressive valley, but I'm trying to tell you like, this is a good thing. It's a foothill, buddy. It's a yeah. <laughs> and like they and I'm in a place now, you know, that stuff used to really get me. But now I'm in a place I'm like, they really do mean well. And in that situation, I can say, actually, I'm and I did say that um, I said, you know, actually, I'm doing pretty well. And like things are going much better. And I think that's something we didn't even really touch on. But the ability to take back your narrative is so I found that to be so important 
in my grieving process and my healing process. And it applies not just to um, like the loss of my mom and the grief that I went through with that, but just life Mm -hmm. to be able to say like the narrative that you're putting on me isn't true. And I'm going to tell you it's not true instead of carry your burden Mm -hmm. of what you think about me. Yeah. And so as we wrap up, I wanted to ask you and, you know, be it through this experience of loss or outside of that from love about connection and relationships in general, I wanted to know what thus far has been one of, you think, the most important lessons that you've learned? Ooh, um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is the biggest lesson that I've learned is to to know that we're all going through something and to carry that empathy with me and to to truly believe and know it that we're, we're all trying and we all have hidden stories that are not being told for whatever reason like maybe you're in the Verizon store trying to get your voicemails and text messages from your mom back and you're like, you know, the manager isn't understanding you or whatever, but to recognize like, oh, this person is going through something. I'm going to, I'm going to be with this and have empathy for it. And I use the Verizon analogy, but it, it can be anything. And I think that's been a huge lesson in my day to day that in any conflict or in any point of connection with people, even if it's just dropping things off at the post office, like if someone's grumpy with me or if someone is short with me or anything like that, or someone isn't responding the way I want them to, I have recognized it's probably not about me. Like they are probably going through something and they're probably trying their best to get through it. I think that's an incredible lesson and to recognize that so little of our reactions to the present moment are such. They are, Mm -hmm. you know, formed by experiences in, in the past and, you know, what we're working on or going through that express themselves as reactions to what is currently happening. But are shaped by other things and to and so to have that reminder as people either on the receiving end or you know within oneself of that fact and so to either treat others with kindness in consideration of that and also to you know recognize the the actions and impacts and emotions that we're we're going through and where they come from and where we can take them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's what I wished I had had. And I did have it, but you know, I walked around for many, many days and I would have these interactions and it's awkward because you want to just be like, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm doing this right now. Like I, my mom died. You want to just like, tell people why you're acting the way you are and it and instead of just feeling the need to tell people that I think just approaching everyone um with the understanding that they're probably like everyone has a hidden story that's not being told and it's probably affecting their day-to-day and to just have empathy for that um has probably been the biggest lesson that has come out of this whole experience of losing my mom um, and moving through life after that. And so as we wrap up, I wanted to read a a post that I came across and there are several that made me cry and some that were, you know, even more tragic or some that were sad, but framed with happiness and, you know, this one kind of brought it together in in a way, and it was the second part of a, a two-post series, but I just wanted to kind of 
read this uh, for our listeners and also just for you to listen to the, the beauty that I, I found within it. Six years, time shrinks and expands in the strangest of ways. And even though I know it's been six years, I still can't fill, I still can't wrap my mind around it. 2,190 days, 72 months, four years away from 10, and countless moments in those six years, I wished you were here. Most days, I still feel like I'm trying to get my feet under me, that I hardly believe so much time has passed. But there are signs of the passage of time that don't lie. My face is more worn, and I have a few gray hairs. And I'm getting those chest wrinkles you said I'd get if I kept sleeping on my stomach, which I still do and am not sorry about. Because these six years have taught me there's beauty in brokenness, and even more beauty when you share it. That we're all walking around with unspoken stories just waiting to be heard. That grief doesn't have a timeline. And the day I stopped putting one on mine, I felt more alive. That the terrible days don't last forever. And the days of smiles will grow longer. That you don't have to have your shit together to be worthy of love. And that some of the best people sit and make camp at the intersection of messy and vulnerable. Something you knew all along. Thanks, Mom. I love you and miss you always. It's so cool hearing that, like, read outside of my head. <laughs> right? And you're like... I said wow. that? <laughs> yes. I know. And I know I, I that's why part of which I, you know, read it for the listeners to hear how incredible it is. But it's so different when you hear it yourself, too, and to recognize kind of how impactful you know, this whole thought has been in your own process, but also the impact mm -hmm. that when hearing it as a third party, you can recognize it has the potential to have for other people. And so I just wanted to say thank you and that I, I thought that was extremely, extremely beautiful. Thank you for reading that. Yeah. That was special for me to hear it. Because <laughs> sometimes I say it out loud when I'm like trying to not have grammatical mistakes, it's but never I never been. like hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't. You can't. It's just not the same at all. Um, so we can brainstorm how we can somehow bring that that to life with, you know, the phone booth and the love letters and having other people <laughs> read them, perhaps. So, yeah, um, I'd love to. <laughs> brainstorm ideas with you. And so I, I, on one hand, want to end on that note, but then also we have these funny rapid fire questions that, that we do. And so I figured would be yeah. at least a good way to end it on a, a higher, a higher note. Although, you know, cool. again, in these peaks and valleys and there is joy <laughs> that comes from sharing these stories, be them so sad. And so I love that we can kind of, uh, you know, I feel that even on this call, having been able to process and, and just kind of grow in the exploration of these stories with you, you know, that yeah. brings me joy as we talk about sadness. And so I think totally. that's been incredible. Okay. So the rapid fire questions, the first round is just, you're going to choose one or the other. There are a couple where it's an open answer. And for the rest, it's just, you choose one or the other. Okay. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. Pizza or pasta? Pizza. Sunrise yoga or dancing till sunrise? Dancing till sunrise. Drink of choice. Coffee. Hugs or kisses? Hugs. Sex or intimacy? Intimacy. Nature or nurture? Nature. Best year of your life? I hope this one. Love it. One of your heroes? Uh, my mom. What kind of dog are you? A golden retriever. Something you're excited about in the next year? Uh, Rebranding my and restructuring my um, projects and how they exist on online spaces. And your favorite tough question to ask people? What are you afraid of? Nice. 
Okay. The second round, this one is word association. So I'll just say a word and then you just say back whatever comes to mind. Okay. Okay. Culture. Beyonce. <laughs> Love. Everywhere. You. Happy. Us. Uh, great conversation. B. Yes. Man. Uh, person. Change. Good. Hope. Better. BBXX. Uh, something I'm excited to listen to, to more. Love it. Awesome. <laughs> that is that. <laughs> that is the wrap. I like those. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm glad you like them. They're fun. They're fun. You know, good way to wrap it up. And Perfect. I'm so excited to continue this conversation as well as a bunch of new ones. And I'm just so grateful for the work you're doing that, you know, inspires me. And I have no doubt, you know, inspires other people and helps them through their process or to help, you know, a friend or a family member through theirs. Thank you so much to each and every one of you for tuning in to listen to our show. If you like what you learned and you know someone who might also like listening, please do share this podcast. You can also feel free to reach out to us anytime. If you'd like to submit questions, requests for experts to have on the show, or if you'd like to share your positive feedback or constructive criticism, we'd love to hear what you think. It's the only way we can learn and grow along with you. Be sure to check out our website, follow us on Instagram at bbxx.world, and subscribe to the Book Club newsletter, where we send out even more resources to help you dive even deeper to the topics that we bring to you on the show. Once again, we encourage you to take what we discuss on this show and apply it in your everyday life. Because remember, better relationships equals better life.